Hey, you ever listen to stock radio? Ever listen to stock radio on Weeb? Welcome to Potstock Radio. I am the host, Eric Buss. Welcome to my co-host for tonight's show, KD, Nick, and Stace. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good. How about you guys? Good. Not much. Hanging out. Happy you guys are here with me. We got an exciting show. Ooh, I re-introed us. So, we got two guests tonight. Awesome guests. First is Braden Sutton, CEO of Friday Night Incorporated. Pretty exciting company with one of the first licenses, if not the first license, in Southern Nevada to cultivate. So we're going to have Braden Sutton on first, followed by Bruce Barron, who is the corporate advisor. Thought we were getting the CEO from Pot Network Holdings, but we are getting the uh, corporate advisor. Seems like a guy with a lot of experience. Want to understand his uh, arrangement with and involvement in Pot Network's holding. So we're going to talk to him second. Before we go to Braden, a couple of things I want to remind everybody. First of all, give a little bit of uh, a disclaimer. So Potstock Radio is an informational purposes show only. We are not trying to say anything to make you buy or sell any security. We're also not trying to get you to do anything that's illegal in the state you live in. We're just trying to help you with a little knowledge to do your due diligence better. You're the one that hits buy or sell. So do your homework and just use us as a part of it. So we are going to be talking to those guests tonight. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody to follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Potstock Radio NJ. And if you like us on Facebook and you're a part of our page, you're going to know about contests that are coming up, including one that's going to be released on the page in the next 30 days with MagicalButter.com. If you've never used a magical butter machine, you're missing out. It is the way to take your material and process it into oil, butter, or tincture. It really is the easiest, awesomest way to do it. It's like add everything in, push one button. It does the job for you at the right temperature for the right time with some cool lights and uh <laughs> Sounds that happen so you know it's working, and then it's done. You strain it. You've got your uh, oil tincture or butter, and it really is a simple, easy, awesome, perfectly done every time process. And with the 2.0 that we're giving away, there's a lot uh, more upgraded features than the original one. Um, I believe that you can make lotions, and I don't know if the first one you can make tincture. Yeah, you couldn't on the first one. The Magical Butter 2, one of the things about that was to be able to use it for tincture. Wow. Which is pretty awesome to be able to do just at home. Uh, so, and I've used it. My wife has used it. Who's a patient and loves it. I would say you'd use magical butter over anything, correct? Yeah, I do. It's way easier than doing it on my own. Really easy to clean up afterwards. Every, everything turns out great. I've never had a problem, never burnt anything. You press a button for the temperature. You don't have to stick a, you know, thermometer, thermometer in and there keep on top of it. Yeah. 
It's easy. So check it out. Go to MagicalButter.com, and if you go there, you can wait to try and win one through Potstock Radio, or just buy one. Use the promo code Potstock. That's all one word, lowercase letter, Potstock, and you will get 30 bucks off of your Magical Butter machine. And buy it through their website, because if you don't, You'll find out if you try and buy it through eBay no or warranty. Amazon. Yeah, it voids your warranty. So get it through Magical Butter and save the money instead by using our promo code. All right, so let's go to tonight's guest, guy who I'm excited to talk to. Seems like uh, the company is in a position to succeed. So let's go to our first guest, CEO and president of Friday Night Incorporated, Braden Sutton. By the way, their ticker on the CSE, TGIF, but on the OTC, VPGDF, FridayNightInc.com. Welcome to Potstock Radio, Braden Sutton. Thank you, Eric. So glad to be here. Really appreciate it. Glad to have you, man. I've known you for a while, just meeting you at events. So was excited to hear yes. you have gotten the opportunity as president and CEO of, of Friday Night Inc. Just give us a, a idea of how that all came about. For sure, man. Well, as you know, I mean, I myself have been in this this sector on the the industry side, if you will, um, going back quite a while. You know, well over a decade. Uh, got involved on the equity side of things, going back to 2009 to really when the first one was was out there, and sort of got a bit of a, a name as a guy that was, you know, watching the sector closely. I knew that it was going to be one uh, that was going to experience a lot of growth over the next 10 to 20 years, and still still feel more optimistic than ever. Um, early on banded together with a, a gentleman that had sold a professional sports team out of Vancouver and we had purchased the building that became Supreme Pharmaceuticals, did the RTO and did that, which really became a, a darling up in Canada. It's now one of 50 producers, um, had some incredible experience with a lot of the, the really best of breed teams in Canada. Former uh, guest, by the way, a year ago. former guest Sorry? on Hotstock Radio, Supreme Pharma, so good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you again for for having me on. Then, um, right. so you know, really had a lot of a lot of good hands-on experience, and and we kind of sat around the table a year ago and said, well, you know, on on Supreme, we started it late 2013. We we're really really were ahead of the curve, you know, by a couple of years, truthfully, in terms of the Canadian what was the MMPR, which is now the ACMPR. Um, and we thought, well, what will be, you know, as the old expression Wayne Gretzky used to say in Canada is where will the puck be rather than go where it is, where it is now, where was that puck going to be a year from now? And we together collectively thought, well, with Clark County coming online, you know, it's very condensed area. There's almost 50 million visitors a year. The per capita usage is a lot higher as you can, for obvious reasons being Las Vegas, you know, you've got a, again, a, a, an area, which is such a, a small area versus say Canada, which is spread out with 35 million people over a, a significant land space. So went down, did our due diligence for several months, walked through every facility we could. At the time, there was uh, a little over 50. There's now, I think, 66 operational. And uh, we connected with a guy named Mark Zobrist, who had founded AMA. And AMA was, in fact, you're right, they were the very first license awarded in Clark County, the first in Vegas. They were the, the second in the state, only to a company in Reno by about a day. I think it was one day. Uh, and Mark really struck us as just a, a business professional. He, he had built already a very impressive team. He was a retired attorney. Um, he himself had had several exits in the past, understood branding, understood really building a top-notch, you know, um, just image for not just the space, but really promoting the, the whole Vegas thing. They've got a, a line of several SKUs, but for example, like the Vegas Jays, their pre-roll is probably one of the best-selling products down there because it has the the sort of uh, notoriety of being the Vegas first or the Vegas original. 
Um, so found found Mark. We're able to uh, do a transaction on his facility at AMA, which we own 91% now. Kept him in as a, a large shareholder for obvious reasons, as well as the second asset, which is there. I'll just tell you quickly, which is infused MFG, which to me is is equally as exciting, if not more so, because it's a just a hemp derived CBD focused company that um, also has probably in excess now about 20 products you can see at canahemp.com. Um, everything from just vape pens, high-end, of course, uh, latest technology, we would, we would use nothing less. And then all of your, your sort of lotions and um, tinctures, of course, are quite popular now, um, all sorts of just creams. So they're doing exceptionally well, not just in the, the retail environment, the, the licensed dispensaries, but they're actually selling um, e-commerce online as well and showing a lot of promise. So... So that's kind of where we're at. If you fast forward today, we went public June 16th. Um, I've, I've done really well on the market side with a, a really good, healthy following of, of the group that, that is involved here um, and just really well received on the ground. We've been putting out updates. We've got everyone from you know, a company like Vader Extracts, for example, one of the probably top producers in the United States, chose AMA specifically as the exclusive license for all of Nevada. Um, that was a huge boost of confidence for us. And then, you know, Gila came along with the same thing. Um, there's been several companies since. There's been a couple uh, rap artists since that we'll, we'll soon be able to, to name for everybody. And even uh, Kiva Chocolate, probably the best chocolate um, in the space, we're doing all of their distillate for Nevada. Um, so really just a testament to the quality of the team, the SOPs, the processes, and, and of course, the product that they're able to, to put out there has just been tremendous. So, so Braden, sorry for the long intro, but... Uh, <laughs> What's a big group going on in Las Vegas? Does it worry you at all with the supply and demand problem that they're having right now with the state state of emergency? Yeah, so I mean that was that was sort of crisis averted uh, three Thursdays ago now when they they licensed both um, I forget the second one along with Blackbird. We were very lucky within about five days we had an agreement with Blackbird, which is uh, set up on the distributorship side for logistics. Um, so there was a bit of panic there. July first was the uh, of course, go live of, of REC or 21 Up Use. Um, yeah. Blew away everyone's expectations. I think everyone was expecting it to to go well, but they did. Um, some reports said three, some said five million uh, done over about a five day, first five days, a um, little over half a million just in, in state uh, tax was generated as well. So a lot of promise, you know, coming out of the gate, obviously the medical market anywhere is going to be a lot quieter, you know, with people just able to purchase with that have gone through those channels. So, so it was a big eye opener. And now our focus really is to um, just secure more square footage. We just now need to get a bigger footprint because there's an 18 month moratorium on any new licensees for Clark County. Um, so, so we just want to ensure that we're being uh, as proactive as we can there. The way they have the regulation set up now, do you feel that that's a problem that you as a state may continue to run into? I definitely do only because, um, the amount of growers that there are currently, um, there's 44 retail stores where we actually are in, I believe now 39 of them. So we've, we've got a tremendous sort of penetration into the retail and a good, good network to be able to, to speak to everybody. Um, but just, just plain square footage. I mean, there's, there's just not enough. I heard recently that state of Colorado, for example, at one point exceeded 6,000 individual cultivation licenses um, where there's under 70 in, in the area that we're in. So, um, definitely going to be interesting times. I mean, obviously not something you can source elsewhere. It's, it's just a matter of um, a land grab, like I said. Um, we're, we're very active in that pursuit to, to increase our own footprint right now as well. 
And Braden, with Vegas being such a big part of your operation, do you guys still consider yourself a Canadian company, or how does that work? What part of the business is run from Canada compared to what's done in Clark County? Yeah, it's a good question, and, and probably even causes some – confusion is the wrong word, but, but it's difficult for a lot of people to understand. But because yeah. the CSC in Canada has been so friendly to um, – Sanction. So, of course, states and areas that are that are legal in the United States, it permits us to to list there. So, in Canada, we're very very lean. It's we've got virtually no no burn. We've got only myself, and two others. Um, the opera. It's very much an American company. It is a uh, you know AMA itself has got about 20 employees. Um, Infused is, is about seven and and hiring almost every single day as they ramp up. They're only in month one, but uh, very much a American focused company. American based company with our corporate headquarters being in Canada. Yeah. And now tell us a little bit about the uh, 18 month moratorium. Explain that. So essentially when they, when they allowed the, first of all, only the medical existing medical growers, there were 66 at that time um, were permitted to apply cost 70,000 us dollars just to apply. And Nobody that, was guaranteed of course. So can I stop you there? Brady? For recreational. Is that forever or was that just initially? Like I know that was the rule initially that you had to have the medical license to even apply for recreational, but was that just initial? So that's your 18-month window exactly. So we essentially they said, all right, all right, guys with the medical license, you're 66, here's 18 months. Go ahead and and get yourself situated, and then we're going to open it up to to pretty much everyone. I mean that, that obviously qualifies and meets the criteria. Um, again, having said that, you know, when you think about building in a, in a very tight urban area like Las Vegas, you've got a lot more to worry about than neighbors and odors when, in terms of things like water and electricity. Um, so, you know, we, we feel we're in a, a very advantageous position. But, yeah, what, what happened essentially, just really summarize, is that they said uh, you can apply as a medical provider. Um, not all were approved. They're, they're slowly handed out and they're getting through them. Uh, and there's an 18-month moratorium of anyone else being able to apply from the outside in. So we've got about a 17-month, 16-and-a-half-month uh, uh, window now where we can really just capitalize on, yeah, on being, uh, being one of the few. What they're trying to do here in New Jersey for a recreational program. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it's yeah it's good way, I think it's a good way to do it myself. It uh, also helps to, you know, with uh, – the, the growing pains, let the guys that are already in it get the growing pains, <laughs> you know. So. And it helps to reward the people that laid the groundwork, so it, it, it sounds fair. Exactly. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly, and that's actually what happened with the alcohol lobby. If you followed any of that in the beginning, there was a lot of, of panic, rightfully so, from, from the alcohol distributors and lobby and everyone involved, um, that they wanted to be able to be involved as well, so that's where they won. That's why we have uh, them actually work on the distribution distribution side and they're also able to uh to apply as well so so it'll be interesting it's of, the next uh go ahead sorry uh speaking of alcohol distributing what explain how uh bellissima prosecco christy brinkley's brand of wine fits into the company's plans like it just seems like the one thing that's not like anything else yeah no and that's uh, you're totally right so it's it goes back to relationship there's a, a relationship that um her and, and some of her handlers and agents have got with uh, some of the founders of the company. So we had an opportunity to purchase um, 8% of both BV Vodka, which belongs to a, a tremendous guy named Chaz Palminteri, everyone would recognize from sure. Bronx Tale and analyze this. Yeah. One of the more um, 
noticeable or, or recognizable mob actors. And of course, Christy Brinkley. So 8% of her brand and his vodka, uh, we were able to acquire. So we took full advantage of that with, with the whole premise being from the outset that Friday night is very much a lifestyle brand. I mean, we were looking at, at all sorts of other things, but the focus is always, always is and always will be Vegas cannabis. But if we can have little complimentary sort of bonuses that, you know, should, let's say, for example, the Melissima brand, it was just approved last week for distribution in Ontario. That represents 40% of the entire Canadian market. So it's one of those just sort of icing on the cake is, is really the only way I guess I could put it. We have it. It doesn't cost us anything. There's no maintenance on that. Uh, we're just glad yeah, to be a part of that group. No issues in getting licensing to be involved in alcohol and cannabis in any way? There's no issues there? No, no completely separate mm-hmm. subsidiary that owns Bellissima that, um, that also owns AMA. So there's no, there's no uh, crossover whatsoever on any of the licenses. I like it. It's like a little Friday night in culture. Yeah, right? <laughs> a little wine, a little weed. Well, it, it keeps it, yeah, it doesn't box us in. I mean, again, it's, it's always will be a cannabis company, but... Um, you know, to have a, a little bit of, of something, if it's tasteful and classy and adds to the overall brand, then why not? If, it, if it's creative and makes sense for shareholders, then we'll, we'll look at it. Yeah, right. Speaking of getting all your party favors from one spot, what, ha- what stops the casinos in 18 months from being able to apply for licenses and taking over this entire business in Las Vegas? It's a good question. Great, well, great question. Yeah. yeah, great question. And I'd like to almost say nothing. And that's that's sort of our opportunity. And it's we don't know if it's going to be a an eighteen month opportunity before it starts to get really uh, intensive competition wise. I don't see that. I mean, they're they're already making progressive moves by way of you know preparing for allowing you know that demographic to be able to stay at their hotels. Obviously, it's uh, it's a top of conversation everywhere but um no that's a good question and there's there's definitely um and always has and probably will be um just like eric had mentioned there um, sort of protections around alcohol slash gaming slash cannabis i mean they can't there ha- there needs to be a bit of a line in the sand so you know, on one hand i'd like to say well they're already in the gaming and alcohol business but it's you know still very much uh very much in the air but it's looking right now like there's certainly room for for everybody to play that wants to all right, and we're talking to Braden Sutton, CEO and president of Friday Night Incorporated, and you, you talked a little bit about your brands, Alter- Alternate Medicine Association and Infuse, starting with AMA. Just give us a, a little bit of the highlight of what you guys are creating there on the THC side, and then what are your best-selling – I know you mentioned the J's, the, uh, the live uh, pre-roll joint. Yeah. Yeah, give us an yeah. idea of what really sells best from your THC yeah, okay. product. For sure. So, and that's also, you can see even the full menu, um, obviously can't act on that out of state, but um, AMA NEV, so AMA Nevada, just amanev.com is their site, but um, the pre-rolls always will be a staple. As you guys know, they, they always tend to do very well. We've got a, a very healthy menu of flour that is incredibly impressive. We've got Everybody says it, of course, and it's, you get tired of hearing it, but the, the cultivators that we have are, you know, they grow with love. They're, they're plugged in culturally. They understand what people are looking for. I think we have just that healthy balance of, of not too many strains, change and enough variety to be consistent, but not to, to spread ourselves too thin. Uh, very big focus, almost to the same square footage, to be exact, in terms of processing and extraction. So we do a lot of your traditional hydrocarbon BHO extraction the right way. Um, do very well with that. We do a lot of white labeling with that. We've got um, 
probably the the margins I would say in the most the majority of AMA's revenue comes from their derivative products. They've got all types of chatter and wax and CO2 distillates and uh, again, what we just announced with with Cryptid and doing their their line of vape pens and, and other products. So we're very focused on on covering the gamut, um, not doing edibles, working with edible companies. Where our focus there is create a really high end, pure 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 distillate that we can then in turn work with partners. But yeah, the flower obviously will always be a staple. The Vegas Jays sell very well. They've got something called Moon Rocks that was the original what are original Moon, Moon Rock. I saw them. Essentially, what are Moon it's Rock? a yeah, just a, a nice high-potency uh, flour that is um, rolled in, in some form of oil. A lot of times it's rosin, a lot of times it's CO2 oil, and then um, essentially rolled again in keef. So it's just a, a supercharged nug, if you will. Like a turducken. Like a turducken of weed. <laughs> exactly. It's a turducken. That's, that's, that's the best actual uh, term I've ever heard. Of. But, but another huge trend is you're going to see, like Lira out of Washington, is can of cigars. So definitely look at that. And then another item we do is something called Sticky Fingers, which I've seen. Sorry? The old folks in the room don't know too much about potency trends. <laughs> On the fold? Yeah, no. It, it, and, yeah, and I was just going to add one other item that, that's really neat. It's almost like a novelty item, but they, they've got an item called Sticky Fingers, which is about an ounce of flour on, still on the stem on one one stick that's plugged into cork and then covered with glass. So it's kind of a neat, almost like a conversation piece. Decoration. Um, so we, we really cover it all, and, and they do really well. And, and they're even actually launching a, a store, which they, they brought in a, a really incredible individual who created this sort of rebranding and, and the AMA lifestyle. So there's a, um, a store opening soon where we've got a lot of uh, really cool stuff, and it's, it's showing a lot of promise as well. So that wouldn't be a cons- uh, consumable product? No, the glass. The, the store? No, 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 no. It's going to be nothing but uh, clothing for now. And then, you know, as we get into things, you know, there could be glass or there could be, you know, various types of, of grinders and what have you. But for now, it's promoting the, the AMA brand um, in that area primarily. And as far as your flower products, have you guys tried producing any of your own phenotypes or are you guys just using strains from all over the world? Yeah, we're we've well, a little bit of both. I mean, we on the genetic side, that's one thing that attracted me to AMA in the very beginning is that they really understand. So much like John Fowler, Supreme, for example, he truly you can talk to that guy about genetics all day long, and that's that's why I think a big component to what makes a really good. Oh, did you? <laughs> makes a, a tremendous grower. It's a big part of it. It's not everything, but it's a it's a huge piece of the equation and often overlooked. So we're we are big on the on the genetic side. I can't say we're you know, leading the the way in in um, you know tissue culture or anything like that, but certainly a group that's that's very much uh, again just just really dialed into what uh, what the current landscape is looking for. That's awesome to hear. And the infused products, the uh, CBD products, are they all derived from hemp, or are any of those products yeah. CBD derived from cannabis from marijuana? No. So for, for a couple of reasons uh, that you guys, I'm sure, where it's, it, it is hemp-derived, uh, locally sourced, um, very, very, again, huge emphasis on the quality. And it's a husband and wife duo, just a tremendous, really, really appreciate and, and admire what they're doing down there. And we just put them in um, a brand new building, 5,000 square feet, fulfillment center for them. They're literally going into month two, had about a uh, 10k projection for the month blew it away at 30 without you know coming out of the gate very late but essentially they come from a, um, a cosmetics family so they they know the space inside and out 
um, they they went all in on the CBD side of things, and so far it's uh, again like just by going to canahemp.com. And there's also some should add there there will be some crossover there. So for example, uh, they will be doing some products in conjunction with AMA that will be done through AMA with their brand that would and could have some THC present. But as far as infused itself, it's, it's just a, a hemp derived CBD brand. Um, again, just trying to be cutting edge and, you know, again, everything item that you could think of from lip balm to if you wanted to suppositories, for example, I mean, everything is, is becoming uh, more and more um, available with CBD now. So, so for me, I look at it and infuse and I, I think of mainstream, I just think, well, if this, uh, you know, a company like this could ever break into a CVS or Walgreens or Walmart, it's a big event for it and, and potentially, you know, eclipsing an AMA type location. So, so I got big and I heard, you mention, and, you know, I heard you mention yep. the Costco, you know, CVS. Are there any talks there? Or is that just saying that that's possible that you really could break into a retail opportunity? If though, I know around my area, CVS doesn't even sell tobacco, rather yeah. a, hemp, yeah. a hemp product. So is that just speculation and possibility or are there conversations going on? Well, so so to say this conversation, I got to be careful because that, of course, would be you know let's let's just say that there there some of those stores are already carrying um, CBD lines of products and foods, okay. cereals, things of that matter. So so we have the um, the contacts, if you will, that when when we're ready to pull the trigger and provide for them, um, I, I feel pretty confident we'll be able to get into some larger streams. I mean, those those names are the biggest, of course. That's the holy grail to get into a retailer like that, but. I do feel very confident that uh, we'll be announcing some some good good partnerships. I hope soon, but again, Apparently. we've got to get ourselves grow. You know, just grow accordingly so that uh, we can take on something of that size. Understood. Currently, canhelp.com just an online platform. It doesn't have retail, but that's something that it's working on in the future. No, they they did. So just last month, they did start. They did, like I said, over thirty grand US just just in local dispensaries and every dispensary they went to bought product. There wasn't one that passed. Um, so incredibly well received, but, um, so, so in month one, to give you an idea, it was roughly six, uh, I think it's about 6,500 us. It was over 6,000 us dollars came organically right through the website. And then there was about 30, um, done locally boots on the ground. Um, just good old fashioned, get in the truck and, and let's go talk to some shop owners and see if anybody likes what we've got. And, and again, everybody had put in an order that had saw the product. So, so very much locally focused as well as able to um, offer it online as well. And Braden, with CBD being such a new medical experience, uh, experiment, you hear a lot of good things about CBD and how it's some, uh, I guess, what you, what you would consider like a, a magic maker, you know, but what could the possible negative long-term side effects be from it being derived from hemp rather than cannabis? Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's something I guess that's to be to be determined. I mean, from my own personal perspective, I'd I'd like to see a lot more uh, of it being separated from the cannabis plant and it not having to be boxed into to being hemp derived. Um, and of course, there's always you know moves with the wind as far as the the DEA and other challenges that 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 could or may exist around CBD. So we've got to be always cognizant of of what the current law is. And and uh, but yeah, it's you know it one of those things that I guess until, you know, we've had 10 or 20 years of data to, to look at. Cause one thing I've often said to people is, yeah, I think it dates back about 7,000 years, the ancient mummies in several cases, cannabis was discovered. 
um, and it's only been illegal for you know call it the last 85. So, you know, has been used for for a very long time. You know, to be determined. You know, as for any uh, negative effects, that's for sure. Here's what I can say. To this point, hemp's never hurt anyone. I, I think it's safe to say. People are but using I, it today in ways that Oh, I hear you. They didn't concentrate it before, and I get it. When you concentrate something, you're concentrating the pesticides. You're concentrating everything that's bad along with everything that's good. Like we spoke about earlier, yeah. I've always heard that hemp-derived uh, CBD can be found very high in metals. Contaminants and yeah. stuff, yeah. But yeah, exactly. of course. So, so that's a, what I was just going to bring up with lab testing, which is probably, again, one of the most fastest growing parts of the space and, and should be. Um, so our everything we do at AMA level and the infuse level goes out to independent labs for zero detectable parts per million, not just residual metals, but of course, mildew mites, pesticide. Um, that's that's an absolute requirement, just like it is in Washington, Colorado, Oregon. Um, so we, we follow the same standards that are applied to cannabis that we do to CBD 100%. So it's that's the, important. The group, again, the group is, yeah, they're the health, the focus on health is is absolutely primary when it comes to infused. I mean, it's not a uh, a brand that's anything other than holistic healing and you know potentially hopefully getting people off of synthetics to you know with something that's natural. So it's it's very much a natural focus, and you can't be that with with metals present in your products. It's impossible. Yeah. And so it's good definitely, for people to know uh, that everything is lab tested. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, it's, it seems yeah. like it's because there's a lot of companies that. Yeah, a lot of companies, they bring bulk, you know, CBD in from Lithuania and all sorts of European sources. And, you know, you, you really don't know until you get it to the lab to get back, you know, hey, is this what I, what was advertised and, and what else might be present here? And, you know, I would say unless done absolutely 100% proper, you're you're undoubtedly going to find contaminants. So, again, we would not uh, work with anything that had anything detectable. That's for sure. In your own belief, you believe that the positives of uh, uh, hemp-derived CBD would outweigh the negatives and long-term effects? Well, as a non-medical doctor, again, I'd like to say I certainly hope so. I I have some pretty serious ailments, including diverticulitis and severe arthritis and mostly inflammation-type issues. And it has been found as as a pretty powerful anti-inflammatory. And I myself have, you know, in, in... literally decades have not discovered any anything uh, negative. Let's put it that way. That's All right, awesome. let's move on from CBD and talk about cannabis. Let's talk about some, some uh, actual THC products. And what I want to know about is the Suicide Girls cannabis. Tell us where you're at in <laughs> negotiations with them. Is that just talking or is there actually uh, contracts that are in place? So what we announced, it was a week and a bit ago now, what we announced was simply the LOI that we're, we, I mean, we've been working with them for a long time. We, again, relationship-based, um, the gentleman that, uh, brilliant businessman who said, hey, you've got a one of the fastest-growing alternative lifestyle brands on planet Earth. You've got one of the fastest-growing um, subscription websites on the planet, and you've also got one of the largest Instagram accounts and fastest-growing. So why don't we take the California market and go ahead and create, you know, demystify, make it simple, create three vape cartridges, um, your typical, literally, indica sativa and a hybrid, <laughs> pretty basic, called Zero Hill, uh, Hustle and Chill, and um, and it just absolutely killed it. Out of the gate, it came out, it blew away everything, they got an unbelievable amount of press. Um, that came back through around to um, some of the founders of the company that they were looking to sniff around in Nevada, so we got on the horn with them. 
Uh, it was less than a week. They were down at the facility. They were absolutely blown away with what they saw. They were actually there again on Friday, just just uh, two days ago, uh, at the facility. Spent the entire day with our general manager. Um, so so they're elated to be working with us. We're, we're we haven't done the definitive to answer your question. So you got to watch the news for when that definitive comes down in the exact terms. But we're we're far down the path. Um, they're very excited. They're going to be producing everything in terms of the box, the packaging, the branding, um, should they want to have promotional events. Uh, we've, you know, we're, we very much want to be involved in a lounge in the city, uh, as do they. So it could be a potential for collaboration on, on some type of lounge, if not retail as well. So a lot of plans um, with them. Yeah. And um, they you know, just fit again. Yeah. They fit in cannabis. You know, some people that I hear cannabis companies collaborating with just don't really make sense where suicide girls are that, you know, hot but tatted, cool, down to earth girls that seem to just fit in a cannabis culture. It it's cultural, man. It's it's amazing. I mean, you go up to to places like Vancouver, BC, Canada, and you know, all the girls are, are alt. It's it's crazy how it's evolved. But I mean they're all tattooed and pierced and they all smoke pot. <laughs> So, right. I mean, cannabis just goes so hand in hand with the culture. I mean, all the girls, not all obviously, but the models on the site um, have all got their own Instagrams. If you go through, I mean, the lion's share of them do partake the in cannabis for some level. Um, yeah. So it was it was a hand in glove for them to do it, and I think Las Vegas in them was was the next natural step, and we're just honored to be able to be have been the, you know, their choice out of 66 choices, and we were the one. Yeah, I don't want to stereotype or, or, you know, put everyone in one box, but I think it's pretty safe to say when you're tatted, you're cannabis friendly. Even if, even if you're not. <laughs> well, even, even if you, you don't, don't like it, you're you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna uh, not run away it. or get, get offended. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but but you also got to point out that tattooed people are usually nice people. It's not like they are. Where they're, they're bikers, they are. they're typically are pretty friendly people. So. Yep. What's the Instagram page that you're referring to when you say you have suicide? No, suicide girls have. Yeah, just their corporate. So keeping in mind now that that SGC Suicide Girls Cannabis is very much its own entity. It's not the company Suicide Girls. So the the site and the the whole thing um, is one thing, and then they have their cannabis division. That's who we're working with is SGC, um, obviously owned owned by. But um, yeah, but it's uh, um, so there's the site, and then there's the the um, the actual cannabis component to the company, which is uh, growing. But they are related. The company itself. If you sign an agreement with Suicide Girls Cannabis, they would also be promoting on their Instagram pages. Absolutely. That's that's for us. That's the big the big perk. That we're going to get some some unbelievable exposure, and then we're going to have a a perpetual, if not you know, decade plus exclusivity for the entire state of Nevada. So All right, so love it. There will be done through Amy. Yeah. Love the product. Love that you're the CEO and president. Now have some company and stock questions to ask you. Starting with the private placement. Recently announced the private placement uh, agreement with Canaccord. Explain to us why that was right long term for both the company and investors. Well, first of all, it was it was again another huge honor. They they came to us about two days after we started trading. I think it was the 18th of June, um, and offered to do a, an offering with us. We went back and forth and settled on the the current debenture offering. Um, timing is ideal. Uh, we don't want to do too much money down here because we're we're still growing as a company and we're not a three dollar stock, uh, so we don't have that currency to create 
um, to do the bigger placements just yet. But what it will do is it'll give us a, a serious, um, you know, supercharger in terms of being able to buy a bigger piece of land, buy a bigger building, and, you know, again, literally 5X our, our actual canopy space over the next three to six months, um, whereas, frankly, most of the companies down there just don't have that access to capital. So, so timing was impeccable. Again, super lucky as a as really as a new. I mean, AMA is a two and a half year old business, but of course, TGIF is a is a new entity. So, so again, relationship based. You you have to have you know history with these guys. Where there's history, there's no mystery. Um, the bankers there have have worked with our team in the past on on all the initiatives that we've been a part of, and you know know that again it's best to breed teams and best to breed practices. And so you know. Really excited to get that closed. And I know it sounded like the goal of the money is going to be to use that for expansion. It also says expansion and general corporate purposes is the goal. Yeah, and I think that the general corporate purposes is is pretty much a you know what standard legalese when you're doing a placement. But keeping in mind that we are, as I said, we're very lean in Vancouver. We're we have about a quarter million in the bank. We're not worried about anything on the, the corporate side. They've got over a million in cash south. Uh, they're self-sustainable. They're actually profitable already. I could have Mark come on the show and he can give you, it'd actually be a great idea to have Mark himself come and give you some of the, the nuances of the actual AMA, but um, they're self-sustained. So the 100% function of this this money is to increase our revenue by way of increasing our footprint, plain and simple. Now, and currently you're in 12,000 square feet cultivation center. How much of that is used for production right now? Is it full? And, and when it's fully functional, how much of that 12,000 square feet, if not at if it's not already functional, how much will be used for cultivation? Yeah, so yeah, good question. So it's so it's sort of evolving as we take on more brands that want to do more on the concentrate side, as you can imagine, because we have the option to to acquire trim for quite cheap and turn that trim into high quality distillates and extracts. So so right now it's about ninety five hundred square feet of actual canopy, and then the balance is our lab, a very Got small it. little entrance and office. But uh, so I'd like to to at least five x that that size of our building and, and do it in, in short order because again that would put us in a in a real strong position just moving forward um, as again as looking two years out as more players come online but also just competitively we want to be able to say to our our retail dispensary clients that you know we're not going to be running out of this strain for example and, and know that we you know we'll have uh, it staged in a manner that you know will basically will be in a, a purpose-built facility and have sort of that aurora advantage if you will up in Canada where they were the the first purpose-built, and that's a, a very real advantage uh, to, to going into a building and retrofitting and trying to work around the, the existing halls, for example. And I read uh, your production facility sales of $1.1 million in 2016, $5 million in 2017, projected for $20 million in 2018, and $50 million in 2019. Is that based on being able to expand to 60,000 square feet, or is that – something that will change yeah, so, when you so yeah so it was it was done conservatively based on the end of 18 being in a minimum of 48,000 square feet of canopy space so that was the number used so, so the good thing is that as it stands now we we have exceeded um our existing projections so um we did have so for example June heading into um the first month of recreation we did about 900 Canadians which was 700,000 US um, so we're already at a run rate, safe to say, you know, in that, let's just call it three to five million top line annual run rate. So, we, so we've already exceeded that quite early in. Um, and again, that catalyst will be move into a, you know, whether it's 30,000 or 40,000 or 80,000 square feet, 
you can sort of just, you know, it's a pretty simple ratio to kind of guesstimate where uh, that would take us. But um, but essentially, so again, my, my life's goal here, my, my mission with this financing, because it's all uh, part and parcel is we get the money, we buy the building, we go from a $5 million business a year to a $25 million business a year. So that's, that's essentially my all and I now, can, uh, can work on right now. <laughs> I, I heard that you said that there were a couple of properties that were on your short list or in the uh, – in the on the radar of Friday Night Inc. Any movement on any of those or? Yeah, so so again, stay tuned. Very near term tuned. Um, right. The other partner in AMA, there's there's two senior gentlemen. One of them, uh, he was a he's got over 30 years of real estate development right directly in Clark County in South Nevada and and all through Las Vegas. So, as you can imagine, he's he's very plugged in with the developers as well as the land builders and everyone he needs to be in terms of, of on top of that. So, so there's two we like, two we want. Um, there's A and there's B, of course, but we're we're looking to close on A very shortly. And should something happen to that, then, of course, we've got option B. Um, but, yes, we've, we've got our crosshairs on, on something right now, and I, I really hope we can announce that uh, very soon. All right, so I love that you guys were the first ones to get your license. That's huge, and that's something that you guys should be proud of, or AMA, I should say, that you guys now own. But my question is, how do you how do you keep that competitive advantage? You know, you're the first ones in. How do you maintain market share as other competitors start to try and chip away? Yeah, so I mean, creating the the brand like with, with what they're doing with AMA with the the clothing line and just getting hats out and stuff. I think that certainly will lend to it. Um, you're absolutely right in that. You know, a first mover advantage never ever guarantees that you're going to be the the big player in one or two or three years. Um, so you, yeah, you have to be very, very vigilant and, and ensure that you're continually staying on top of the competitors. Because at the end of the day, you know the, the end users determine what is wanted, and, and the retail is only going to buy the best products at the best price that sells well. And right now we're doing that. So I think as long as we just sort of keep doing what we're doing, so the saying goes, and you know we just brought on a, an amazing new sales guy who's already clicked extraordinarily well with the reps where, where he needs to. Um, so just staying a part of the culture, I think, is is really more important than anything. You know, is uh, ensuring that you're you're going out and and shaking hands of the, the store owners and addressing concerns, answering questions, providing um, all sorts of data for them and feedback for them, and you know, just doing everything you can to ensure that you're under that they want to do business with. And and right now, again, because of the expertise at the top level, being Mark who who got the license, um, you know, I feel quite confident in his ability to keep uh, keep maintaining that sort of pole position. So with competition, is it getting crazy out there with competition now that other uh, cultivators are getting their license? Like what's the craziest thing that you've heard cultivators offering dispensaries to try and get their business? Anything like – is it getting like that out there where it's cut through? No, no. It's, they're not, it's, it's the opposite, my friend. Right now they're buying everything they can get their hands on. <laughs> so literally it's uh, – we can't keep Matter anything in the shop. So, so last weekend the guys did deliveries themselves with Blackbird. Uh, and delivered a little over $200,000 of product on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday on their two days off just because the stores were begging to get it in for the weekend. So so right now it's the opposite effect. It's that uh, there's there's simply not enough product to go around. And myself coming from the cannabis industry, I can't help but be curious what the yields are looking like in a 9,500-square-foot canopy. Yeah, so, I mean, 
if you break it down, you know, on say a Gavita thousand watt HPS bulb, I mean, the only way you can really measure it is by light. Yeah. Um, we're we're up there. I mean, again, companies I mentioned like Aurora, they've actually exceeded three pounds dry product of flower right. from a thousand watts of lighting. So we're there in terms of production numbers. Um, but yeah, we are we're going to be limited to um, let's call it three hundred thousand a month top line in flower um, based on our current square footage. Right in that ballpark, I mean, and that would could deviate either direction a bit, of course. Um, but there's, there's, it's, you know, it's a physical impossibility to, to get to a million dollars a month, obviously. Um, but you, you can squeeze out a, a very, very healthy amount if you can um, really maximize that space. You know, something I heard that sounded awesome was that. Tell me if this is correct. I think it was you I heard say it that there's more tourists that go to Vegas every year than there is the entire country of Canada. Is that correct? By far. And not only do they, do they per capita, so it's 37 million Canadians, over 47 million visitors to Vegas in 2016. Again, over, you could say, a 10-block strip of land in the desert. They spend a lot more money on cannabis, and they're a lot more likely to use cannabis. So it's not just geographics and demographics. It's, it's that they're willing to drop the money on it, and they're willing to... Um, you know, saying, oh, what the hell, we're in Vegas, you know, let's let's buy edibles tonight, let's buy a vape mm-hmm. pen tonight. Um, you know, somebody sitting in Saskatoon, Regina, up in Canada, doesn't exactly feel compelled to just go into a dispensary and drop 200 bucks that night. So it's a total apples and oranges market, you know, and I, I feel really, uh, really good being being in that market opposed to a, such a large, vast, you know, and, and Canada, make no mistake, is probably the most heavily regulated, at least that I'm aware of, cannabis marketplace on the planet. I mean, Health Canada does a tremendous job, too much um, of a job, but a tremendous job on really, you know, leaving them at a, a pharmaceutical standard. So when you talk about heavy metals and mold mildew again, the acceptable amount is zero, zero parts per million. There is no no, no in between or no gray area. Um, so yeah, so Canada is a, a, a much, let's just call it tougher environment to do business than Las Vegas. And you were a part of Vegas becoming recreationally legal, and you're a, a Canadian. And Canada now has announced that they're going recreational, it looks like July of 2018. Give us an idea of the difference of recreational in Canada and, and, and what you think it's going to mean there compared to what it is in Vegas. Yeah, for sure. And that's, again, a really, really good question to ask because people don't really think about the factors. So with like the gentleman there, sorry, I don't know his first name, but as a cannabis person, he'll he'll relate to this. So, for example, in Canada, which which feels like we've had de facto legalization for the 32 years I've been on this earth, literally, um, if I myself wanted to go procure an ounce of cannabis today, I could do it for $100. I could do it within a kilometer, a mile. Um, it's so accessible, it's so common, it's grown so everywhere that when the legalization switch happens again, and by the way, I do not, for the record, think it'll be July 1st. That's just my own personal opinion. I pray it does, but I do not think it'll be next summer. Uh, but when that flip switches, a half the population doesn't even know, doesn't care, doesn't even, it's not even relevant to them. Um, and the population that does care, well, they're already buying from Uncle Bob or their brother-in-law or their neighbor or a local yeah. dispensary, which we do have in Canada, even though they're not federally sanctioned. It's an odd gray area there, but um, it's it's nowhere near it. Where in Vegas, if you're sitting in a hotel room and you want to go grab yourself two pre-rolls, your only choice, unless you know you know someone who wants to work illegally there, your only choice is to walk down and legally walk into a dispensary, show your ID, and make a purchase. Canada, you have 
an abundance of choices. I mean, you go to Vancouver, um, it's it's as common as Starbucks coffee in Seattle. I mean, it's uh, it's everywhere. So of those 50 LPs, my my one concern I do do have and share it with a lot of people in the space. And again, I'm speaking only from experience and having been a part of the MMAR, MMPR, and now ACMPR is that you know those 50 are not they're they're dealing right now with medical patients. They're not dealing with the public. So so when all of a sudden it goes legal. Uh, it will be a very, very different environment than even Denver, opposed to to the country of Canada, for sure. Yeah, especially since they're allowing the provinces to determine the law, you know, how the laws are going to be so they're making. Yeah, so they're making the provinces is the more accurate, I would say, and that's to do the distribution, which makes sense. They have to. So there'll be provincial distribution laws, regulatory, and, and how it gets down to the, the end user. That alone could take. That's that's why I say I don't think it'll happen next summer. Is that that could be a two-year process for, say, the province of British Columbia. Uh, we don't have a federal task force. We don't have a DEA-type force. We don't have a regulatory body like MED, for example, in Colorado. Um, we don't have any of those things in place. We're not even yet removed from the UN treaty, uh, which is required before we can even do this. So, you know, could it take a couple more years? Absolutely. And again, I sure hope it doesn't. But um, it's a our Liberal uh, Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada there, he's the one promising it. So I just hope that they can meet their, their deadline in July 1st. I hope so too, but I'm with you. I doubt it's going to happen on time, especially hearing, you know, all that's involved with just certain. Well, there's, a lot. It, it, there's, there's a lot. I mean, you got to think about, you know, little facts. We share the biggest unprotected border on earth with Uncle Sam. That alone is a major factor. Um, there's trade factors, there's border travel issues. I mean, there's, there's a huge list of things that, you know, and, and there's a saying in Canada, got to be careful here, but, you know, on the on the, the Liberals that they haven't historically been the most honest group. They can mean well and have great ambitions, but, sure. um, you know, politicians make campaign promises, right? And and sadly, that was one that was made, and it got the vote. And, um, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I, I will tell you with, with absolute certainty being up here and born and raised amongst the culture, I mean, it's uh, it's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. And if it went legal tomorrow, it wouldn't feel one stitch different. So that's that's the big difference with Canada is that it won't really make an, an impact, if you will, will on the masses. But if you consider the masses of the small cannabis, what is that, 10% of the population? If that, it would be open to, to using. It's a very small group of people. It really is a very tiny group of people. And like you said, the tourists aren't coming there for cannabis. So makes sense. Braden Sutton, CEO and president of Friday Night Incorporated, you know, spend the last couple of minutes uh, telling people where they can find Friday Night Incorporated. I'll give your tickers again on the CSE. It's TGIF on the OTC. It's VPGDF. Any awesome events you guys have coming up to kick off Friday Night Incorporated in Vegas? Uh, definitely some plans uh, brewing right now for, for Vegas, um, wanting to make sure we time that right. So um, I would definitely encourage people to hop onto Facebook. With, we're, we're quite active on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram and our Twitter. So that's definitely going to be your best source of, of real-time news and updates. Um, the site, of course, as well, FridayNightInc.com, is uh, all of the, the newest news will be posted there. So um, the Vegas show is coming up, so expect a presence at the, the MJ Biz conference and some other um, other ones coming up, but again, we'll we'll keep everybody abreast of that on our media pages. And we've been pretty lucky so far. I've got a, a, a 
really tremendous guy doing all of our um, our communications work. And you know, so if anybody wanted to reach out to the company, it's very very easy to do, and and you will expect a, a human response very very quickly. So we're we're really big on communication and just making sure that our shareholders are are always in the loop. And I'd also tell people to follow Braden on Twitter. He uh, not only will keep you in the loop as to what's going on with Friday Night Inc., but also just puts out some very uh, thought-provoking tweet, tweets on marijuana. So check him out. Follow him yeah, on Twitter at Braden. Appreciate that. Yeah. No problem, man. So yeah, check him out, FridayNightInc.com. Braden, look forward to having you back on again in the future as uh, things are a little more known as you move forward with your new building. We're keeping an eye out on the news. I know Kenny, I saw Kenny, my co-host, eyes light up. He's dying to find out what rapper is involved in Friday Night Inc. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying uh, here. Well, yeah. but it's, is there any ones that would? Uh, well, let's just say well-known, classy, and, and known for their weed and haven't yet gone anywhere else to to do any sort of deals so it's again everything we do we want to really keep it high end so it's it's going to be done in a, a manner where it won't it'll be um yeah out of the the norm As you know west uh, coast rapper but, yeah. All right, we got to speculate when he's off the phone. We can't speculate when he's on the phone. <laughs> All right. Great. Yeah, well, uh, awesome, man. Appreciate having you on. Thank you, sir. Thank you guys very much. Really appreciate it and uh, hope to, to keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Have a good night. That's Braden Sutton, CEO and president of Friday Night Inc., TGIF on the CSE, VPGDF on the OTC. So good guy to talk to really does seem like they're in the right position and uh, seems like they have their stuff together. So check them out. Follow them as we will. And before we go to our next guest, I want to remind everybody to follow us on Facebook. Potstock Radio NJ is the page. And if you like it, you're going to be not only will keep you involved in what's going on with pot stock radio news, cannabis related and stock related, but also uh, you should join now because within the next 30 days, we're going to be giving away or at least setting up the giving away of a magical butter machine. So you'll be able to win your own magicalbutter.com MB2 that does the butter oil and tincture. I'm sitting here looking at it right now. It's a pretty badass machine. I know. I want to take it out of the box and use it. You know, you got one already, silly. But that one's new. That is true. That one you wouldn't have to wash. And also feel free to share our page with your friends and family. And yeah, we appreciate the love. Well. Yep, we appreciate the love. So, all right. And also, yeah, remind everybody, go to MagicalButter.com and use the promo code POTSTOCK, one word, all lowercase, if you want to buy a machine and not wait to win one. So you guys, what's going on, Nick? Anything going on in the cannabis world in your life? Uh, it's just been very hectic lately. Uh, it seems as if we're definitely pushing for recreational legalization here in New Jersey and... Uh, you know, we're just trying to get everything in place for the meantime. Yeah. Ready for when it happens because it's it's going to happen. You you believe it's going to happen? What makes you think? I mean, I believe it's going to happen, but what makes you think that soon it's going to happen? Uh, just if Chris Christie wasn't in office here in New Jersey already today, been. it would already be in place. Seems like that's the case. So. Uh, they already have like a bill already like. Written I know. Out and all finalized, just waiting to fill the name into whoever replaces Christie. Yeah. 
Imagine dispensaries in AC. It'd be like Vegas popping. It it needed to happen already. Like yeah. AC is falling apart. They yeah. would never be Vegas. Not even pot is bringing AC back. But you know what? No, it might. It might. It's the only With thing that all the tax can. money that it could that bring in. No, I never did. I, I've been saying since this show started, there's shows going back to 2014 where we're going, AC, dummies, become the Denver, the Colorado right, of right. the Denver, I should say, of the East Coast. And it would have got people to leave the casinos in Philly. You know, the people that are going to Chester and Parks and Sugar House would go, oh, all right, we at least have a reason different to go to Jersey back to. AC for the casinos. See, now the only thing that worries me a little bit is now seeing like places like Amsterdam make it uh, illegal for any non-residents to purchase. I see, yeah. really? see stuff like that happening in our country as well. With- <sighs> Colorado was a good reason so far for that not to happen. You know, people going out of state and going to Colorado is what drove a lot of that revenue because they charge more to out-of-state people. And when you look right. at it really – the politicians aren't allowing cannabis because they I want people. Right. They're doing it for the revenue. How long has Amsterdam done that? That's like a newer. Uh, I didn't even know I that. I never even heard that. Wow. Because that's, I mean, I'm sure they make a lot of money from that. Think about everybody knows you can go to Amsterdam. Yeah. Well, now you see a lot of people um, going to Colorado for that reason. I know. A lot of European. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado, Vegas, oh, oh, Washington. Oh. People who used to go to Amsterdam are now going to Colorado. Yeah, because it's not just Amsterdam. It's actually Netherlands as a whole who set that regulation now. Wow. Huh. And just going back to what... Uh, when Braden was speaking about like the population and the amount of tourists that they have in Las Vegas, yeah, New Jersey beats that. You know, no have, way. I promise you, we have a higher population. Oh, sure. We yeah. have a higher population, and we also have a higher percentage of tourists per year. But so, the population isn't the high majority of what's buying. The it's the tourists that are. What well, I mean, probably fifty percent of the tourists. <laughs> Going to Vegas would be buying weed, but not coming. I I, Ocean I do agree with or, I do agree yeah. with that. The percentage of tourists that would be cannabis seekers are probably substantially greater in Vegas than they are in New Jersey. But you're There's right. Still somewhere to make we're money. Still surrounded by states who have whether it's a shitty medical program in place or no medical program. In place. Right. We're surrounded by New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Delaware. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Maryland, we can keep going, Virginia. Yeah. Like, None of them have really good. Especially the more south you go towards Florida. Yeah, they really against it. Yeah, there's really nothing in place. Florida just went. Florida just went medical, but you look at states like Virginia. Yeah, or, North uh, Carolina, Carolina. Want nothing to do with it. Yep. Hmm. I just feel like it would be very interesting to see what would happen. You know, I really couldn't see it hurting our state at all. I agree, and I would be on board and pro whoever, whatever next governor decides to push towards recreational. So, all right. So our next guest is on hold. We are going from Braden Sutton of Friday Night Inc. to Bruce Barron, corporate advisor for Pot Network. Bruce, how are you tonight? Good. Uh, thank you very much. No problem. Good to have you on tonight. So, so Bruce, 
start by telling us, you know, just give us an idea. Pot Networks Holding Inc. defines themselves as a holding company focused on development, production, marketing of products, services that serve the marijuana industry. Give us well, an overview. Give us an overview. Yes, it's a segment of marijuana. It's in the cannabis, really. Uh, not marijuana itself because it can be sold in all 50 states, which is gives us an advantage over uh, companies that are selling only in the marijuana uh, area. Uh, what's good about this company is is that uh, we are making money, we are increasing our sales, and we don't need capital. So we're unique in that space in a sense that as an emerging businesses, typically most companies are starving for capital. We don't need it so that you can avoid shareholder dilution and what have you. We offer a full range of products uh, in the cannabis oils area. Uh, cannabis, by the way, is a hemp-based product. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we do vapes and we do pens and we do uh, candies like gummy bears and chocolates, etc. When you uh, say we have cannabis, a very good balanced uh, product line to go with it. And what you're saying is you guys only uh, produce products from CBD that are CBD-based. Uh, you don't have any THC products that you're marketing. Uh, that's correct. Uh, okay, got it. So is that what you mean when you say you're a cannabis company and not a marijuana company or vice versa? Like, what is the difference when you say that? Well, our products are more in the medical area, which is a muscle accent or an arthritic driven product whereas marijuana is a high product okay. uh, you take marijuana to get high or to hallucinate whatever it is you don't hallucinate on our products it goes to solve a problem and typically the problem is muscular related yeah inflammation stuff is what cbd is good for yes so that makes sense. And is the company still involved? Because correct me if I'm wrong, used to be more of a media company. Are there any uh, parts of the company that are still related in media, or is this full force on CBD moving forward? Uh, this is full force uh, CBD, uh, and that's what we want to be. We want to be singular in our market focus and then just exploit the market. We want to be the first and the best, and we're well on the way because our sales, we backed into a public shell in uh, January, February this year, and we're consistently running now at a million dollars a month and making a profit and, in turn, uh, a positive cash flow. So we can support ourselves. Again, unique because most entrants into this industry are companies that are very undercapitalized, have no revenues, and without revenues, you can't make money. And you said a million dollars a month in revenue. How many months in a row did the company go over a million dollars, and where did those revenues come from? Well, right now, for the first uh, six months of the year, we've done $5.3 million, which is uh, good. We're beating our annual forecast, uh, which is $8.3 million. Uh, we should be in the somewhere between 10 and $12 million, uh, on an annualized basis. So we're pleased with the growth. Uh, we're doing what we said we we're going to do, and we're beating our expectations, and that's the critical issue here. We're, in essence, what we're doing is we're driving shareholder value. Now, is your revenue from online sales? I didn't, I didn't hear the question. Is the revenue from online sales? No, about 25% of our business, which we intend to push, 
comes from the e-commerce or online sales, as you would say. 75% comes out of our uh, dealer uh, network at retail, and we have about 10,000, or we have about a 20% market penetration. However, our average sales per distribution outlet is low. We're doing about $1,000 a year. There's significant uh, areas for improvement in that area, and at the same time, we're pushing more in e-commerce. E-commerce produces a higher margin. Uh, direct distribution through retail gives you product identity and product awareness. And tell us, a little, so, so what you're talking about with your products are Diamond CBD's uh, products, and you offer oils, e-liquids. Give us an idea of the company's product line. And what are the best well, sellers? We have, well, the best seller is what we call gummy bears, which is a chewable. We've also come out with a line of snakes, uh, and we've gone into a couple new branding uh, items around those two product areas. So, But uh, what's nice about it is, unlike chewing gum, which some of the companies are doing in the cannabis area, there's no uh, environmental effect uh, such as when you walk into a classroom and underneath the, the desk is a whole bunch of uh, old uh, chewing gum uh, or chewing gum wrappers. Gummy bears are easy to chew, easy to digest, and they do what they're supposed to do, which is a cause of muscle relaxant. Without question, that's our best-selling item, but we have some 15 different uh, items in the uh, uh, product area, so we have a good full range of products, and the beauty of our product line is it moves off the shelf, and that's what's critical at the uh, retail level. Can you get a product to move off the shelf that the dealer likes, and most importantly, can it make an adequate return to the dealer, and that's what we're striving for. And I see you guys are making stuff like cake pops. And, you know, that, that's very different than gummy bears where they can just be in a bag and have a long shelf life. Any issues you guys are having or, or how are you working it with shelf life of making something like cake pops? Well, we're not worried about shelf life because uh, we have the luxury of fast movement. Uh, uh, a month or so ago, we were a little behind in our uh, production. Now we're back up to snuff. And uh, the most important thing is that we can adequately grow our full range of products uh, because they move, and that's what's critical. This CBD that you guys are using to create your products, where is the industrial hemp coming from? Is it coming from Canada? Is it coming from Europe? Is it coming from China? Well, industrial hemp is predominantly comes out of the, uh, the Netherlands, Holland, but in the United States, it comes out of the what we call the Corn Belt region, and we're getting our products from the Corn Belt region. You're Which talking about Colorado and Oklahoma and states like that. Okay. So you guys are getting cannabis, or I mean uh, hemp, that's derived from the United States. You're not importing it from Canada or Europe. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, occasionally, we import from Europe, but the majority of the uh, production comes from domestic sources all right and i i uh very interested in your announcement of a deal with nfl hall of famer lawrence taylor and also recently read of an agreement with tommy chong can you give us some details of those agreements 
yes, these are sponsorship or branding is what we, we call it or endorsements. And the most important point here is we want to go for more testimonials like this of well-known people because there, again, it's the identity of the product, the branding of the product that's critically important. And that's what we're striving for is we're a market-driven company with a good, uh, astute background and professional management. Now, is someone like Lawrence Taylor using your products? Well, uh, you know, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and I played sports all my life. Uh, now that I'm uh, considerably older, I still have – I've got a memory of my sports, my aches and pains. Let's put it that way. Uh, there's nothing worse than the brutal contact of professional football. Let me put it that way. And uh, he finds the product very satisfactory. It does what it's supposed to be doing. And that's what's important because when you get older, the uh, happy years of your youth sometimes come back to haunt you. I'm feeling it daily, so I understand that. Now, at first I was a little bit confused about Lawrence Taylor because I'm thinking, wait, you know, you guys are a health-based company that isn't using the drug side of it and is just using CBD. But then LT is just known as a guy who always abused drugs. Why was he the right fit as a spokesperson? Was it just name recognition? Uh, name recognition, and he's a converter. What do you mean? He, he so, gets people to believe in what he believes in when you say a converter? Uh, yes, and he's gone away from the uh, hopefully the drug area and uh, to satisfy his so-called drug content, uh, he's now chewing gummy bears, which uh, thank God because, you know, he's a quality individual who got caught on the wrong side of the tracks. I am looking at Lawrence Taylor's helmet, his North Carolina Tar Heel helmet up on my shelf. And I hate the Giants. I'm an Eagles fan, so I hate the Giants. I know. My son's a Giants fan. And Kenny. Uh, and Kenny, too. Oh, geez. But you better I be an Eagles helped. fan being from South Jersey. Otherwise, no. Listen, uh, the, your whole audience is going to be in trouble. I got to admit, <laughs> I got to admit, Bruce, I am a diehard Eagles fan. My son, Nick, who's my co-host, I don't know what happened. My brother says I must have dropped him on his head. He is a Giants fan. So, Well, uh, let me put it this way. When I go to church next week, I'll pray for him. There I'll you bet. go. Thanks, I have, I have been. I, I tried to introduce him to players when he was younger. He got to meet Javon Curse and Trotter. I thought he would turn around, but then, uh, got to admit, taking him to the parking lot as a kid really did make me go, dude. I don't know if I want you to be a fan like these guys are fans. So. You should just be thankful that your son knows what it's like to win a Super Bowl. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> thankful that my son's not a Cowboys fan. Let's be honest. Well, the. Uh, I grew up in the Chuck Bednarik era, so and football was a gentleman's game back there compared to today. I mean, today it's a brutal physical encounter with a person across the line from you, and Wait, without question, you said, you're going to get muscle bruises and what have you. You just said you grew up, you know, liking Concrete Charlie. He was the most ruthless. <laughs> I've met him, hung out with him. You know, he 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 was mean off the field 40 years later. So I, uh, well, he lived I up there in the Edmonton area in Jenkintown. He wasn't as bad as his bark look. Let me put it that way. Yeah. He was quite a nice guy. He, really nice guy, but mean, mean, 
when he wants to be. So not well, like play, when you play center and center linebacker, you know, I wouldn't call yourself in what I call the charity business. Uh, that's a brutal position to play, and everybody focuses on you. Yep, the guy who's known for standing over Gifford saying this game's effing over, I just don't think of as the uh, the, the time when things were easy in football. <laughs> so. Well, they're a lot easier then and a lot less competition then, so that stars were really stars, whereas today there's a lot of competition and it's hard to be a what we call a true star of the game. True. Any other athletes or famous people that you guys are talking to besides Tommy Chong and LT? And by the well, way, they're the, they, they're the only ones we can disclose right now. Yes, we're uh, pushing more because what we want to do is to solidify the brand. And one of the ways of uh, solidification is to get public figure endorsement and testimonials. Understood. And are they both done deals with uh, Lawrence Taylor and Tommy Chong, or are they still in discussion? Uh, no, as a public company, we've announced them, and uh, yes, they are done deals, and we're actively building their various products uh, and brandings. And Bruce, our uh, last guest seemed to think the same way I think, as if uh, musicians and rappers are the way to go to you know, be able to advertise to the youth not really the use, but the younger audience, yeah, you know? um, millennials. Do you feel that you know that is the path that a lot of these bigger companies are going to wind up taking in the near future? Well, you know, there's a real mix going on right now in Washington. The federal government just doesn't know which way it's going to turn on either party. And my answer to somebody in this business is focus on the young adults, the 21 and up uh, market, which is where we are, uh, but equally important, we're more in the directed to the, the medical aspects of CBD, which is a beneficial element to the body. We're Rather not than... into let's get high and let's take some uh, you know, gummy bears or what have you, or take a couple shots. So, so having a rapper involved, you're saying, might not really be... Betray the image that you guys... Well, yeah, it's not really in our uh, profile. Okay. Understood. And, uh, so you don't plan to have marijuana-infused products at all in the future? You're going to say just... Well, I, I, I can't rule that out, but right now our focus is you can only do one thing good at a time. And right now we're 100% focused on CBD. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity there. And equally important to that, not only domestically, but we're now looking into the international markets. We're in South Florida, which means that Central and South America are, have keen interest. I myself have an extensive background in the Far East, and we're looking into entering into the Far Eastern markets. So there's plenty of opportunity out there, but what we're trying to do is grow on a gradual basis, although uh, for the first three months versus the next three months, our sales in the second three months are considerably ahead of our sales in the first three months. So we're growing at a fairly decent clip, but there's only so much of the market you can, you can uh, captivate at one time. So our focus right now is domestically keeping our left eye open as to what's happening in Central and South America, and what's happening in the Far East. 
And I've read you uh, refer to the company as a leader in what you consider a revolution. Why do you see this as a revolution? Well, I think the whole area of cannabis is a revolution. I think, one, just having it legally acceptable in all 50 states is important. And uh, the there's confusion right now on the marijuana side from a legal point of view. The federal government on one side wants to tax it because of the need for revenue and our deficits and what have you. The state governments have been fairly aggressive. They recognize the revenue opportunity, and they've expanded. I think now there's 29 states that literally uh, legalize uh, marijuana. Uh, The southern states and up through the Rocky Mountain area, there's still some hesitancy there. But I think eventually they'll capitulate or fall in the line. And I think cannabis-based products will be acceptable in all areas of the country. But there's going to continue to be restrictions on the marijuana segment of that industry. And we're talking to Bruce Barron. Advise, corporate advisor to Pot Network Holdings. Their ticker on the OTC is P-O-T-N. And question for you as to your background, Bruce. So you're now the advisor to uh, Pot Network, and I looked at your background through Hanover, and you've got a really deep background, but I didn't see anything related really to this space. What have you done in the past? that will help you turn a a company around that's involved in cannabis? Well, first of all, this isn't a turnaround. This is an emerging business. Uh, Yes, I've got an extensive background. I've been a CEO of probably 60, 70 companies. I've probably been involved in some 50 companies. That's just because I'm a a much older guy. And 70% of all businesses are run the same. You've got to have a business plan. You've got to have direction. You've got to have competitive uh, profile or competitive uniqueness and on down the laundry list. What's specific about this industry is this company has attracted some very high-talented individuals who are very knowledgeable in the cannabis industry. So you take my professional management skills, their technical knowledge of the industry, it makes a nice piece of pie. And when you say it's not a turnaround, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't this company involved in media prior to the uh, CBD involvement? Uh, Yes, it was also involved in used cars. It did what we call a reverse merger uh, back in uh, January, February. Uh, It's since gotten rid of those, uh, uh, the used car element. So now it's totally focused on cannabis. It just acquired its, uh, a division that was sold off originally back in, which is in the uh, media area, and so that it's all part of uh, attempting to get the uh, product known and the, and the brand uh, continual acceptance. Got it. Which, by, I, that's what I was saying is a turnaround, Bruce. That's what you're doing. You're turning the company around from being a company involved in media to being the leaders of CBD. So, uh, well, I've got to pull you back on that because it's not really a turnaround. When I got involved, the company was doing a million dollars a month in revenue. It just so happens that nicely it's continuing on that pattern 
with a bright future to it. It's a very undervalued company from a, an investment point of view because of the very high valuation standards of the industry. Now we've just got to get ourselves with a continuation of what we believe we can without question do, drive forward, occupy that number one spot in the industry, and then produce the value that shareholders want because of the high regard of this particular industry in the eyes of Wall Street. Understood. And Bruce, looking at the uh, balance sheet of the unaudited uh, numbers that Pot Network Holding put out on March 31st, 2017, do you are you familiar with those? If I ask questions about them, or is that something that you'd have to have in front of you to really? Well, I wanted I wanted to defer from that because we're in a process of getting our financial statements audited so that we can come out with concrete evidence as to what we okay. are really doing. The revenue figures, without question, are correct. The positive cash flow is there. The no need for capital is there. Most of our money is going into the marketing and branding of the company. So what happened three months ago or six months ago is immaterial as to what's happening today. All right, and when do you expect those audited financials to be out? And well, we're, we're, we're shooting for this year uh, to get some type of a uh, – it might be a review statement, which is the difference between a compilation and an audit. It's the middle stage. Uh, it might be a full-blown audit. We haven't made that decision yet. So, But uh, sometime in the next uh, six months, we'll, we will have focused on getting – a outside uh, verification of our numbers. And when you say the company doesn't need any money, they don't need any money for expansion. You're saying the revenue that they're bringing in, there's enough profit to not need outside funds. Is that correct? That's correct. This is a very profitable business that uh, once you pass your break even point, it can produce a handsome return to uh, shareholders. But the focus here is we've got to get our capital structure in order. And once we do that, uh, and it's not through raising more capital because we don't need it. We can grow this thing at a fairly good pace uh, given our profit margins. And the important factor of that is it doesn't hit the shareholder on the chin by diluting them. Right. And and so sounds like what you're saying is – investors shouldn't have as much of a concern on dilution. And now also, what about debt? How much debt does the company have that's becoming due inside of the next 24 months? Uh, the debt's immaterial. What's there in debt is, uh, is under a half million dollars, so, and that's quickly evaporating uh, so that uh, that's not an important factor. The company can more than carry it and allow it to uh, – amortize over the its remaining life. All right. And I know you said you guys are, of course, it's CBD, so it's legal in all 50 states. Are there certain areas where you guys have a footprint that you're focusing on, and then how will you try to expand from there? Or is it just online, all 50 states, not looking at it really uh, geographically? Well, our e-commerce, as you refer to as online, is only a small percentage, 25% of our current uh, revenue. We're hoping to grow that uh, considerably 
as a percentage of overall revenue. Uh, we are concentrating on all 50 states. As you might or might not know, there are 50,000 outlets for this kind of a product. We're only in 20% 20, uh, 20 of them, 10,000 of those outlets. So we've got a lot of room to grow from an outlet point of view. We definitely have room to grow from an e-commerce point of view, and we definitely have room to grow from an average sales per store, which is running somewhere around $1,000. And are there any stores that you guys are currently distributing to that are like big names that, that you know people would recognize as larger no, companies? No, we don't want that. That's, that gets into sales concentration. And that's where a lot of these companies make mistakes. They get a major customer, and all of a sudden the customer goes away for whatever reason. We don't want that. We want to be across the board uh, serving a whole group of customers so that we would lose one. It's not, it's not a negative effect on our financial statements. Understood. So more looking at like the, uh, the shops that are independently owned more than larger, larger retailers. Well, we're not only that, but we're looking at shelf movement. Uh, I mean, we, we want to be in uh, stores, retail outlets, one, across the United States, two, that we're not uh, tied as far as if something happens to volume so we don't get any spikes in sales or any spikes from a sales lossage point of view. So we're looking for across-the-board uh, growth, and we have a lot of opportunity there. And at the same time, we still have the international markets, and we're still focusing on developing a e-commerce uh, uh, business, or as you refer to it, as an online business. So our risk factor to revenue is very, very low, and that's where you want to be in an emerging business. And Bruce, I know you said that you know the the team really understands cannabis. Give us a little bit of a background of the main players on Pot Network's team and what they bring to the table. Well, the primary players are insider shareholders uh, who act as advisors uh, who have grown up in the cannabis area and have a very sound knowledge of the of the market itself and that's what's important but yeah you said the expertise that the team brings and it's just investors insider investors that are that team that you were talking about that brings along it, with your it, expertise it's insider investors and also uh outside uh, corporate advisors so it's a combination of both uh but the important factor is is that we know the market because of who's on the team and their own backgrounds. And the key point is we know where the bumps are in the road. And that's exactly what we're trying to avoid is those bumps in the road. Remember, when you're part of an insider group, you're in the caboose, as I call it, a, a train. You're the last to get off the train. So the people in the front car get off first. That's your public shareholders. So we've got to really build sustaining value for the, shareholder, the core shareholder group to be able to exit some point in the future. No, I hear you there. I, I get that they're in the back of the train staying for the long ride. I was just trying to give people listening you know, some, some understanding of who those players are and why they should want to be on the same team with them. Or where they're coming from. Well, yeah. we're all on the same team for one reason 
to build uh, sustaining long-term value. So uh, let's put it this way. Probably the best example in Philadelphia of sustaining value was John Conley at Crown Cork and Seal, now called Crown Holdings. He was an insider. His family had a dominant position in uh, Crown Cork. And the important thing is a lot of people became extremely wealthy in that stock. That's exactly what we want to do. We want to do the Bill Gates approach. We're not here to hit and run. We're here to build sustained value, and hopefully by the time we come to realize the economic uh, benefits, they're going to be there, and that's what we're driving towards. All right. Check them out. Pot Networks Holding on the OTC, their P-O-T-N website, potnetworkholdings.com. Bruce Barron, Corporate Advisor, any other uh, social media outlets or places you want to direct people to? you guys have a Facebook or a Twitter page? Uh, yes, we do, and we have a website uh, along with it. And we're now getting more involved in the media exposure, so you'll see the name popping up and hopefully – uh, the stock will react, but we've got a good base of shareholders in which to grow the value of the company, and we're actively trading. We're running around 5 million shares a day, and we're grossly undervalued based on industry standards. So there's a good upside potential. There's liquidity in the market, and the most important thing, the management is driving for value, and that so makes shareholders reason. happy. Good reasons why now is a good time for people to at least look at and understand Pot Network. Now, a little bit on your background. I read something about uh, you getting accolades from the White House, Central Government of China, U.S. Senate. Where did that come from? What were you doing that made the White House give you accolades? Well, let me put it this way. It's hard to, to uh, fatten one's own ego, so I'll have to be gentle on this, and you can pull me back. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I've turned around probably a couple hundred companies in the middle market. I'm probably the senior expert in North America in that particular segment of the uh, corporate structure. Uh, fortunately, I've been accolited by uh, four or five presidents and separately by their vice presidents on numerous occasions by the uh, uh, U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives plus various state governors including New Jersey and Pennsylvania, by the way. Uh, so, and then in addition to that, uh, I've been uh, further uh, accolited by the governments of China, the Central American Parliament, all because what I do is I rejuvenate employment or I grow employment. And that's what we want to do in the United States. Our focus is not see companies go out of business, Every company that went in business should be able to be saved and get back on its feet. It's just a matter where they have the energies and disciplines to do it. And in this particular case, I think uh, all the elements are there, and it should turn out to be a very positive investment return for any potential shareholder. So you mentioned politicians in New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania. Any chance you've ever had the pleasure of meeting our Governor Christie? Uh, I met uh, Christie, but I also knew Ed Rendell, and I go back to the Bob Casey era, so I, I hate to tell you, and the Bill Scrantons uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, so 
I'm a native Philadelphian by background, uh, so I grew up in the old uh, uh, political arenas when politics were a little bit different than they are today. Understood. So any thoughts on Christie and his stance on cannabis? Well, you know, it's tough to say, and I'd rather have him direct himself as what he's trying to do. The only thing I can say is that cannabis marijuana is a tremendous area for tax opportunity because we have a huge, out-of-proportion federal deficit. But on the other side, we have to be very close and watchful of our youth because it's very easy because of the social media environment that's today versus years ago when I grew up. And it's very easy to get caught up in a fad or a trend. So the focus on watching and limiting and enforcing the laws on marijuana, I'm 100% for. Helping use not get an addiction, absolutely. If they want to use the benefits of it for whatever reason, go ahead. But be careful and be knowledgeable and understandable as to what the results can be on certain types of drugs. Because drugs itself are not, unless it's for medical reasons, are not necessarily good for the uh, body or the mind. Yeah, I haven't found cannabis to be bad for anyone, but it can be. Like, it is good that they're treating cannabis or, or marijuana different than hemp. One has possible, you know, side effects and, like you're saying, involvement of youth, where the other really just has medical aspects. So I do like that you're on the side of medicine, but I, I do believe that it's going to be hard to get shelf space for just CBD products when you don't have THC products to get your foot in the door. You haven't seen that to be the case, you know, just having Uh, CBD products? No, the retailers are clamoring for good quality products. Uh, If marijuana becomes even more acceptable, it's being led by the effects on the medical industry, which is sorely needed because there's some critical diseases where marijuana, unfortunately, or I should say, fortunately, relieves the pain of some of these very acute diseases. So, And our population is aging, and we're more susceptible to aches and pains and critical diseases, so marijuana is good in that area. For recreational use, I'm not a big proponent of recreational marijuana because I think it's misused instead of used to what the most beneficial aspect of it is should be used for. So then are you a fan of recreational alcohol? What was that? I didn't hear you. Are you a fan of recreational alcohol? Well, you know, they keep comparing marijuana to alcohol, and I think it's a wrong comparison. To be honest. Yeah, you're right. Alcohol yeah, they're, they're, and marijuana hasn't killed anybody. <laughs> you know, i got to consume a lot of alcohol in order to be over the limit. I don't have to consume a lot of marijuana. And the the time differential is totally different. And yet the people who are alcoholics is a very small portion of our population. So alcoholism, let's go out and limb. It's under control, although it's still there and still needs some help. 
okay? The people no way. Getting that I'm way. I've been agreeing with everything you said for the most part up until that because really there's no amount of cannabis you could take to kill you. Or where, withdraw from. You where, can't withdraw from CBD or THC. Or, you know, but alcohol, you could. You'll and, get the. And I could shake. go into a store right up the street and buy enough alcohol to kill all of us. And I. Well, could, that's the yeah, and unfortunately. The people who are overbuying are those behind the wheel of an automobile, and the accidents or the death rates keep growing and growing all the time. Yeah. So I totally agree with you in that area. Uh, as far as the population usage of what we call the uh, over-consuming part of the alcoholic industry versus the marijuana industry, I think there's a night and day comparison there. All right, well, we're going to agree to disagree on that, but that's all right because I think we've, you know, experienced cannabis from different times and different places, so we probably just see things differently there. Here's what I'm going to say, Bruce. I'm throwing in my two cents to Pot Network to let you guys know if I was you, I would invest more heavily into Tommy Chong for sure than LT. I don't know what you guys think, but to me, Tommy Chong, although – in the same way he's known as the stoner, he's a guy who, if I wanted to know who to get the best product from, I would listen to Tommy Chong. If Tommy Chong told me, buy this CBD over any other CBD product, that's the one I'd buy. LT, I got to be honest with you, LT, his name's great, but he has a negative look at the way he handled his body. He wasn't the guy who worked out as hard as he could. He, but he's also their connection to the NFL and sports. Yeah, but they don't uh, really have – yeah, yeah, I guess so. Once you get yourself into there and can maybe get another, you know – I just uh, see Tommy Chong. Popular, yeah. Player, you know, you, you work your way in. I think that's their, more their idea. And, and you know what? The NFL is so anti-cannabis that they might not – is the NFL anti-CBD? Have you talked to anyone at the NFL, Bruce? No, I think the the NFL is not uh, anti-CBD. Uh, Without question, there's got a big wall there on marijuana. So yeah, yeah. But yeah. the other thing is, is that you have to understand is I sympathize with these athletes because it's a brutal contest out there mm-hmm. when they go out and play for yes. 60 minutes. Whether it's basketball or football, they're playing almost like a survival. Yeah. Uh, attitude. And they got to, you know, I can't condone it and I can't say I uh, don't use it. Some people have to use it. So all the only I would say is use it under a controlled uh, atmosphere so that it doesn't get away from you. That's the critical issue. Makes sense. All right. Bruce Barron. Pot Network Holdings, P-O-T-N. Check them out, potnetworkholdings.com. You can go there to find out information about the company, investor relations information, anything you want to know to determine whether you should become an investor in Pot Networks Holdings. So anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to touch on, or did we cover it all? No, I think as I said earlier, it's, uh, you know, POTN is uh, grossly undervalued based on what's out there in the, in the marketplace. It's got its head focused in the right direction, and it's a good opportunity for those who participate in these types of investments. Whether you do it or not, 
that's your own portfolio uh, determination. But at least from the starting gate, these fellows are coming out of the gate in the right way, and that's what's important. All right, Bruce Barron, appreciate your time tonight on Potstock Radio. Look forward to having you and possibly, if he's open to it, the CEO of Pot Network in the future back on the radio show to talk about how you guys are progressing. Very good, and thanks for the opportunity. All right, no problem, Bruce. You have a good night. Okay. All right, that was Bruce Barron of Pot Networks Holding. And then if you were listening to the whole show prior to that was Braden Sutton, CEO and president of Friday Night Inc. So two interesting guests. What's going on, Nick? Uh, just a little bit of back on the NFL with, yeah. uh, using cannabis. I don't know how true it is, or I didn't really look into that much. Okay. But I do remember reading within the last week something about the NFL had passed some type of regulation to – whether it was a certain group of retired players, okay, you know, to yeah, study it, some something that has to do with cannabis. Okay, not sure whether it was not, CBD or I THC. No, I, I think they said medical marijuana. Yeah. And this would be retired players. So. Okay. Hmm. But you know, like Ricky Williams. You know, he used to love cannabis. It's a very violent sport, so I, I, I don't mind. By know. the way, you guys follow what Ricky's doing now. Ricky's all about sports training yeah, and cannabis that's what together. He, does. he had opened yeah. a gym where they actually use cannabis as like an exercise. as a training tool, not as a release after you're done working out. Even like growing up, like knowing people who. I hung out with athletes or went to school, played sports with athletes, and they all smoke weed, you know? Almost. Uh, it's very most, entrenched. Most recently, in Steven Jackson, which I'm sure you remember, Indiana Pacers, Golden State Warriors. Uh, I had to figure out which Steven Jackson you were talking about. He, yes. He had just recently came out and uh, admitted to, you know, using cannabis before games and after games with his teammates and the coaches and his teammates being completely okay with it. You know, yeah. it was just kind of like hush hush thing. As long as you don't get caught, it's not a big deal. Well, I think that's silly too, because there's no way you produce results at your highest level when you're stoned. So I'm not saying if you're going out to shoot some hoops with your buddies, it's okay. But if you're a player in the NBA, I mean, I'm glad Dude, that they're like admitting Byron it. Davis and Steven Jackson, who like they openly admitted, you know, they were too dominant. They were studs. The you're not talking about. Yeah, well, they would have been better if they weren't high. They That's very well. Like, come on. Although, who knows, Baron Davis. Baron Davis struggled his entire career to stay on the court healthy. So, who knows? Maybe. THC and CBD helped him stay in the league a little bit longer, but I doubt he was the best he could be while he was stoned. That's all I'm saying. If you have to do something where you really need to concentrate and focus, put the pot down until after you're done. I'm not saying that they were like getting obliterated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe a couple tokes just to, you know, help him concentrate a little bit better. Who knows? Yeah. They didn't get into too much detail, but he openly admitted that his coaches know it, the trainers know it. Basketball seems to be that sport where it's very, you know, very open to cannabis. Definitely. And that confirms it. So, all right, we've got a uh, awesome. Because no one's running at you and tackling you. Right. You're not panicking. So good show tonight and next month we have uh, Chuck Rafiki is going to be back from uh, Cannabis Wheaton 
to give us an update on what's going on with the company, what happened with the halt, and because uh, he was supposed to be our guest a couple of months ago, and day of the show, unfortunately understood why, had to cancel. So we're going to have him back on along with a guy named Joe Bresney that if you listen to the Leslie Boxer interview, you heard him talk about the guy who really is responsible for what happened in Vegas is Joe Bresney, and he's going to be on next month. And maybe we'll ask him about some of the companies we've talked about and talked to, like Friday Night Inc. would be awesome to go, hey, Joe, what do you think about what's going on in Vegas and Friday Night Inc.? So. And Sweeney should be back as well because he is cool. on vacation in Jamaica. In right Jamaica. Oh, nice. Awesome. What better place to be than in studio than mm. in Jamaica? Right. So. I wish I was in his seat in Jamaica. Not in the studio <laughs> <Agreed>. right now. <laughs> I would trade too. So, all right. So, I uh, want to remind everybody to follow us. Do it. Go to Facebook. All you got to do is click like, and you're going to be kept in the loop on the show and also automatically be eligible to win awesome prizes like a free MB2 from magicalbutter.com. So, go to facebook.com forward slash radio NJ. Like us there. Also, Twitter, it's at Potstock Radio. Follow us on Twitter. And if you have any questions that you want to get across to future guests or just input on the show, email is ericstockradio.com. And even interact with us through Facebook, you know, like, comment, share, whatever you want to do. Well, Post, you know, message is, really yeah, doesn't matter. what you want the show to be message us and tell us what you want us to incorporate into the show. One of the things that we're going to start doing is polls. We're going to start putting out daily polls for people to answer, and then on the show, we're going to talk about the polls, the results, have people maybe not call in live because you guys are douchebags. I can't have you call in live. <laughs> I'll get a bunch of friggin' baba buoys, but interact with the show live via Twitter, via Facebook. Tell us what you want us to be asking the guests while they're on and get your voice heard on the show. So be a part of what we are, which is the voice of cannabis and money. So we will be back next month. Thank you, KD, Nick, Stace. Great, great show tonight. Thank you, Braden Sutton. Thank you, Bruce Barron. And uh, we will talk to you guys in 30 days. Thank you, cannabis. Thank you, cannabis. <laughs> Everybody just heard that. <laughs> Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. And that's how she wrote.